0: Your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Kevin Musto. You're listening to the Stick Blade Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It is the Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals Podcast. We cover all things Blackhawks, all things Red Wings, and just general league news. On tonight's schedule, we're going to be talking about the Red Wings and the Blackhawks games this past past week. We're going to be talking about their upcoming weeks, and we're going to be essentially awarding a Mm -hmm. star for each player, or for each team, a player who we thought was a standout. So with that being said, I'm your host, Jordan Linscott, and tonight I'm going to be joined by my hosts David Barnhouse, Kevin Mousteau, and Nick Page. So guys, let's go ahead and just jump right into this week's podcast. Um the schedule for both teams this week, kind of weird. Last week we didn't have any talk for the Hawks for any games, because I mean they sort of had that week-long break. So I think with that, you know, let's go ahead and just jump right into the Hawks talk. So First game on the Hawks' schedule this week, they played against the San Jose Sharks. Ended up coming up with a loss, 5-4. Really close game on the score sheet. I was at the game, I thought I had a great time. I took a couple of co-workers, and neither of them had really been to a pro game. So it was a fun experience for me, just being on the outside looking in. Uh, Kevin or Nick, what did you guys think of this game?
1: Yeah, so this was a bit of a rough game for the Chicago Blackhawks. The score makes it look like it was a pretty close game, but... I don't even think that reflects the efforts of the Hawks. I mean, obviously offensively they've looked good and that's never been a problem for them, but the defense was really abysmal. Crawford looked really shaky in that outing and the PK was really, really horrendous. And I was actually shocked by how bad the the penalty kill was. It was very hard to watch. So not a good outing for the Blackhawks and I was definitely very disappointed with their performance that game.
2: Yeah, the home opener was really rough. Just like like you said, Kevin, the defense was it was terrible. I mean, turnovers consistently. Crawford, I think shaky was the right word because there was moments he'd look good, but then the, again, like the opening night in Prague, there was moments he looked terrible. And then, but it, you know, the offense is there to keep it a close game. You know, five, then five goals. It's not going to get you a win much often in this league. So, uh, rough start to the season on the home opener against San Jose. One they sh- are probably going to regret, and they should have came away with with a win.
0: I was watching this game in particular for you guys, as new players that you guys acquired this past off season. In particular, olimada because I mean, he sort of he wasn't an expensive pickup for you guys, but he was like a depth sign. I actually thought he didn't look that bad. Did you guys watch specifically for any of your new acquisitions?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard not to, uh, not to watch for those guys, just because those are the guys we've been kind of excited about, like Olmada coming over from. Pittsburgh this offseason, and then Alex is another guy we've been keeping an eye on, and then DeHaan this past week. So I thought Ole Mata, you know, he's been knocked on for being a slow D-man and really probably going to be a third-pairing defense at best. But I think he's definitely been an upgrade over what we've had in the past two years, so uh, I think there's a lot more to see in his game. Uh, it wasn't a good start so far this past week, but I think there's room for that, like he's showing room of promise for this defense to get better.
1: Yeah, I think one of the best things
2: I can say about
1: Olimata is that I haven't noticed him too much, which isn't to say that he's been bad, but just to say that like there's been no glaring mistakes that he's made. Um, but he's also not a very flashy player. He just seems to be pretty steady in the back end. So he's not a guy that you notice a whole lot. But for a stay at home at defenseman, I mean that's a good thing. It means he's doing his job back there. And then for other new acquisitions in that game, uh, Dominic Kubalik had his first NHL goal, um, yep. and he's a guy that um, you know in the in the past few games like he's been having a lot of chances. Unfortunately, just that one goal in in the uh, Sharks game, but he's definitely generated a lot of offense, you know, even though he hasn't necessarily capitalized on it.
0: Brought up uh, goals, Kevin. Uh, just of note, uh, we can just talk through the stats really quick for this game uh the big standouts basically andrew shaw had two goals uh and had a uh, goal and then like you said kublik had a goal so that's essentially four goals for them shaw i thought both of shaw's goals were absolute beauties in particular the one where he caught the rebound yeah was yeah, that, a good uh kind of uh, uh
1: welcome home game for for andrew shaw
2: yeah i mean that's what andrew shaw does he does he gets creative ways to score and uh yeah, it's definitely great to have him back. And, like, that Strome goal, too, that it was the Kane setup, it was just a thing of beauty. It was was a, beautiful, yeah. Yeah, it was just absolute thing of beauty, you know. Uh, it, we've been praising for uh, Kane, Strom to break a line. It wasn't exactly that, but, you know, I thought it was a great set by Patrick Kane and a beautiful finish by Dylan Strom.
0: Do you guys have any other remarks you want to make before we move on to the next game?
2: That game I wish I couldn't remember enough, so, yeah, we can move on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, let's move on from (laughs) that game.
0: (laughs) Okay, so one of the other games that the Blackhawks had this week, they ended up playing the Winnipeg Jets, losing 3-2 in overtime. Not a terrible game for them. Taking the Jets to overtime wasn't bad, and, I mean, we just were talking about this. I mean, Chicago's defense, not exactly the best, and the Jets have a pretty decent forward group. Um, Leonard... Ended up, I think, putting on a great show. I mean, he had what was it thirty saves and only had like three goals against. So facing thirty-three <laughs> shots, he blocked thirty of them. Saad got the goal, and then Seabrook the other one. Other than that, not really a high-scoring game. I mean, only three players got assists. Was who uh, was it? Was Carpenter, Keith, and I believe Kublik got the assist in that game. So really low-scoring game.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it was a nice adjustment from game one, where the defense looked shaky. Uh, based off i i i said before the show but i didn't get to see the game just because i was partying a little too much for homecoming weekend but uh based off the stat line you know it looks like a defensive improvement but robin leonard sounded like he had to bail out the hawks a couple times yeah
1: that was definitely the standout for this game was robin leonard it was his uh first start of the season and uh he looked really great in this game and uh Definitely made me very confident in his ability, so uh, yeah, I was just very impressed with Robin Leonard that game. Overall, not a fun game to watch. I thought both teams looked pretty bad overall. Um, The Jets in particular, I don't know, they just looked very slow out there, so I was very disappointed that the Hawks couldn't um, take advantage of a a slow looking Jets team Um, but uh, yeah so really the only positive thing I have to say about this one was how good Robin Leonard looked in net.
2: And that's one of the things that uh, you know was kind of the big concern is can he carry over what he did with the Islanders last year to Chicago with the not so good defense. I mean it's an improved defense but over in New York with what Barry Trotz runs, Robin Leonard really didn't face that much quality shots and he's coming over to Chicago who gave up a lot of quality shots and a lot of goals last year. But what it sounds like is he it looks like he's on his A game and he's back to what he was doing in New York. Yeah, one thing I just want to say about Robin Leonard is, like,
1: I. I you know, he he's a big goalie and it, it surprised me to see him on the ice because we're used to seeing Crawford in Chicago and he's not, like, a super big goalie. You see Robin Leonard, he's just, like, a tank and net. Like, he, he, just, he just looks so big. He's got this presence. Um, and uh, I don't know, I, it's just... Uh, it's just wild to see him in the net because of how big he is.
0: Sort of like a Ben Bishop type guy yeah, who basically yeah. just, he blocks shots because he's so big. <laughs> basically. And then the other game on the uh, Hawks' schedule for this last week, they ended up coming up against the Edmonton Oilers who, up until this point, were undefeated. I mean... I don't think anybody really thought the Oilers were going to be strong coming into the season, but they've been proving everybody wrong. But then the Blackhawks ended up getting a 3-1 win over them. I thought this game was probably the best game that Crawford's had. I mean, he had, was it 28 shots against him? He only had one that let in. Um, Patrick Kane got himself a goal. Nylander got himself a goal. Uh, Brandon Saad got him a goal. So good production throughout the lineup.
2: Yeah, it was the best game the Hawks looked all around this season. You know, the defense looked great. Crawford, he looked like prime Corey, Corey Crawford that game. He just unbelievable. Uh, like you said, the offense is producing goals. All lines were involved in that. And, yeah, the best game of the Hawks this season was against the Oilers, obviously, just not, not because they just won, but because they actually looked like a competent team out there. They were all playing together well. And it just seemed like everything was clicking on all cylinders in a game against a really good Oilers team this year. Like, the Oilers, everybody thought they were going to be struggling this year. No, the Oilers are actually a really good hockey team. And it was it was a nice win to see out of Chicago Monday night.
1: Yeah, as you said, Nick, like, Crawford was out there. He was looking like prime Crawford, which was really nice to see because, you know, of all the, uh, you know, concussion history over the past couple of seasons. It's been rough for him. Uh, and even just the, the game against the Sharks, like, he looked very shaky. And I remember that morning when we got the news that Crawford was starting, there was a lot of uh, negative reaction to that because Leonard had such a great game before that people were expecting Leonard would get the start again um, against the Oilers. But they sent out Crawford, and he he was like, don't forget about me, guys. I'm still good.
2: Um, that, that, so, yeah, great game for Crow. I like that, too. I mean, you know, you, you had a struggling goaltender for two games this season. And, I mean, yeah, you could ride the hot hand on Robin Leonard, but you got to give Crawford – because Crawford's one of those guys. He's bailed out the Hawks so many times in the past, and he we know that's in him. And he showed that Monday night just with his performance. And it was a nice rebound game for the first two games that he had. And, yeah, it's it's good to see Crowy Crawford healthy, fully healthy, and just looking like his old self again.
0: Those are the only three games that the Hawks played this week. And I say only because three games a week is a pretty decent schedule in the NHL. Kevin and Nick, who would you say were your guys' star of the week? If you could give one player sort of that, I guess that this was the best player for our team, who would you award it to? I'll
2: have to give mine to Andrew Shaw. Andrew Shaw is, uh, you know, we talked about him before against the Sharks. He had two goals at the home opener, which is great to see. And not only that, he's just bringing back that physicality of the Blackhawks, the leadership. And it's great. He's drawing penalties. He's getting everybody's face. And it's what the Hawks missed. They missed Andrew Shaw. He, He brings a different vibe to this team. He brings like a winning mentality. And I just, it, he's been without a doubt one of the best players of the Hawks this past week. And I mean, even if he's not producing on the score sheet every night, he's still out there making differences in the game, whether it's dr- drawing penalties, causing havoc, getting in the opponent's head. And yeah, so he, Andrew Shaw, probably my star of the week. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Andrew Shaw has just been a, a real
1: presence that the Hawks have, have missed. They haven't had a player like him since he left. So it's really great to have him back. I pulled up the stat here from uh, NBC Sports Chicago, and they were saying through four games this season, the Blackhawks are averaging 33 hits per game. The previous two seasons, they averaged 16.5 and 16.8 hits per game. So a huge increase in uh, hits per game and just overall physicality, and and definitely a big part of that is having Andrew Shaw back. So definitely great to have him back. Mm -hmm. My star of the week is one that really came as a surprise for me, and it's Ryan Carpenter. And I was not expecting that, because Carpenter, of course, of course, is just a, a fourth-liner. Um, and, you know, just kind of a guy that, when he was signed in the offseason, not really someone we were expecting to do a whole lot. You know, he came in just to be a fourth-line penalty killer. But every game, I'm just always noticing him do all these little things on the ice. He's just a very effective two-way player. And... I always come away each game being very impressed with him, and he even has two assists so far this year, so he's been contributing offensively as well as being a solid defensive player. So uh, Ryan Carpenter is a guy that I really like this year, and if he continues this type of play, I think Stan Bowman is going to look really smart for uh, signing him to a three-year deal.
2: I, I, and I was all on board with that Ryan Carpenter signing to begin with. I mean, I know he's just, he, like you said, Kevin, he's just one of those guys that could seem like he could do it all. He's a two-way player. He's getting involved in the offensive game. And he, he's also just, he just gets in those dirty areas. He makes attacks the puck. It's just great to see someone like that on the Blackhawks because not only does it help out on the offensive end, but it helps out on the defensive end just because it just seems like everything he does, he does right this past week. And he's just one of those players that the Hawks need in the lineup every night and producing like that.
0: So before we move on to the Wings does anybody have any last closing remark they want to make before we transfer over?
1: Um, I'm just kind of curious, Nick, your thoughts on Alex Nylander and how he's been treated this past week, because it seems like he's in Jeremy Colliton's doghouse. He's had his, his minutes reduced a lot. Uh, and he, you know, he's been playing on the fourth line and he was scratched the one game. So I'm just curious. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. I'm glad you asked that Kevin, because I'm, I'm very frustrated with that situation just because we've given up a surefire uh, top four D-man this past offseason to acquire this high-level prospect in Alex Nylander and to produce with, to be like the future of this team. And we're just not, like, like they move him down to the fourth line and you're not going to get anything out of him. We talked about it on past shows. I mean, I know he scored on the fourth line this past week, but we talked about in on past shows. And we were talking about how it's for sure he was going to start in the top. He's going to be a top six player just because they want him to produce. And they've done the exact opposite. They moved him down to the fourth line right away. And I just don't think you're going to get the kind of production you want out of Alex Neylander on the fourth line. And I don't think it's a fair situation to throw him in right now with it being so early in the season. I understand if it's after two weeks, he's not producing, but this is, I don't, I don't like the move by Colleton. And I don't think it's going to pay off for Neylander's development.
1: And it's just a weird thing for me because I don't think he warrants the demotion. Like, watching him play, I don't, you know, he's been good. Um, So I I don't see why exactly. I mean, he's had a few defensive lapses, but that's kind of to be expected. And, you know, he definitely wasn't, like, he was playing on that top line, and I don't think he was the worst player on that line. I mean... You know, Taves has been okay this season, but he's definitely off to a slow start. Um, so I don't really get why that the blame is kind of being shifted onto to Nylander when I think he's been pretty solid. And even in that game against the Oilers, he had that one goal coming off the fourth line. And, you know, which kind of shows to me, like, you know, what's he doing down there? He should be in
2: the top six because he's a guy that can produce. Exactly. I mean, he's he can score goals. He, he like... You didn't bring him over here because you knew he was a great two-way player. That, I mean, that was always a knock on his game <laughs> that he was just going to be there for his offense, he was going to produce offensively, and you were going to accept what he brought for, in the defensive end. But And then not only that, Kane and Taves have talked about how much they want to play with him and develop him before this before they came back to the United States. And it just seems like, yeah, it was just Colleton, I don't know, just sending him down, like you said, Kevin, in the doghouse, Right off the start, four games in, and or not even four games in, two games in. So, yeah, I it, it I don't think it was warranted. You, you he scored on the fourth line. You've seen him produce on that line. So, I would be happy. I would be happy to see him back in the top six just to give him another chance. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong before. So, let's see what he could do in the top six, and we'll go from there. If he struggles, then I guess the fourth line demotion is okay.
1: Yeah, we'll see how that how that goes. I was looking at the. um the practice lines for this morning, he's still there on the fourth line. So that hasn't changed. So I, we'll see how that one develops. But, uh, yeah, we can we can move on to the Red Wings now.
2: Actually, I got one more thing, Kevin. Oh, everyone. sure. Uh, the Blackhawks' penalty kill. You know, it was talked about this offseason that they were going to show signs of improvement this year with Zach, bringing over Zach Smith, Ryan Carpenter, Andrew Shaw. And, you know, we have not seen that. Uh, it's been not great again, especially the opening night. And I just want to get your thoughts on it. I mean, what do you know? I don't know what the issue is. I was just saying what you thought.
1: Yeah. The penalty kill, especially in that game against San Jose, it was really, really hard to watch. I think since the San Jose game, it has gotten better. So I think after how bad, how badly they got exposed in that game, I think the coaching staff really tried to hammer in how important, you know, penalty killing is because, after that, it definitely got a bit better. So I think it's still a bit early to see exactly what state it's in, but definitely not as strong as I'd hoped um, for it to be because, you know, penalty kill has been a, a huge problem for the Blackhawks in the past few seasons. And uh, they brought in a lot of pieces this year that were supposed to help. And we didn't see that immediate impact right away. So it definitely was a little disappointing. You mentioned Zach Smith. I thought he's been maybe the worst Blackhawks player so far this season,
2: and he's a guy that you know we were kind of hoping would help be an effective penalty killer. And if he if this if the penalty kill continues to show, I mean, I know it was just opening night, really, or home opening night. If it continues to struggle, I I fully expect to see Anton Vadin up just because how good he looked on the penalty kill in the preseason.
1: Yeah, that could happen. I mean, they need to, they definitely need to try something to to get this penalty kill going because it's just not acceptable um, to put so much pressure on Robin Leonard or Corey Crawford to to show up big time and whenever there's a. penalty kill
0: well if that's all that we have on the hawks front we can go ahead and transfer over to the red wings front if that's all right with everybody um the red wings not having a good week this week that is for sure um basically we'll start work our way back from where we left off so at first i thought the red wings (coughs) looked decent this week they ended up having a 4-2 win over the montreal Canadiens. uh tyler bertuzzi had a goal luke glendin had a goal uh, Darren Helm had a goal, Mantha had a goal. So that top line obviously clicking production's in there pretty much. Since the beginning of the season, Helm getting a goal, a little bit of depth scoring for them, and then Glenn, yeah, Glenn and Helm both getting a goal, I should say, so giving them some depth scoring, which Blash was repeatedly said that he wants from them, and then Ernie putting up essentially a 35 save
3: game. I thought this was actually a really strong game for Detroit. What'd you think, David? Um, I think it was a really good game. Um, I mean, we won four to two. That was a game that I said could be close and I'd say we either win in regulation or lose in overtime and we won in regulation so I was right there.
0: Like this game in particular I enjoy watching the top line have success I mean everybody knows at this point Dylan Larkin Bertuzzi and Manta is going to be the first line until they find some combination that is going to work better which I don't think you're really going to have work better but Mm -hmm. I mean I
3: mean they just work so well together
0: Yeah like my problem I think though with this game is that line. Yes, it showed it's going to produce, but at the same time, it showed that that line will produce, but it can be not the only line that's going to produce, which it sounds good on paper. But the problem is I think that's going to get Blasho to start the blender back up. It's a, it's a joke on our subreddit for the reason everybody calls it the Blasho blender because nobody sticks together for more than a couple minutes, it seems like hmm. It was, I think, my only fear with this game is that that's what's going to happen as a result, which it thankfully did not happen. He kept the top line together. But overall, I just thought this was a great game. Detroit played a decent defensive game. Bernier showed up as, you know, a perfectly competent goaltender. The top line clicked like we expected it to. Overall, I just thought it was a good game. Yeah.
3: I mean, they played well, They they scored four goals, which was great. Um, And everyone got involved. Like you said, our top line got involved. But then like our lower lines with Glenn Denning and um, Helm, they all got involved.
0: The weeks really started to go the other way, though, when they ended up playing against uh, Toronto. So they all lost 2-5 to Toronto, which we all predicted last week was going to be the case. They were going to get pretty much smacked on, which they did. (laughs) Um, Toronto is...
3: They, they were who we thought they were, and we didn't let them off the hook because we knew it was going to be a rough game.
0: I mean, weirdly enough, though, the third and, like, fourth lines are the only lines that actually did anything this game. I mean, what was it? Uh, De Rose, De Rose, he had a goal and an assist. Helm had a goal. Abdelkader had two assists. Nemeth, he had an assist. So, I mean, it's like none of the stars really showed up that game for the board. And then, I mean, Howard just, he had a bad game. I mean, yeah, Toronto's a great offensive team but letting in that many goals
3: yes but um even though we lost badly it did show that our bottom lines can get involved so if our uh, if our top line gets rolling and our bottom lines can roll like we saw there this team could be a force in the future
0: i want to have hope in the bottom of the roster because i actually think it's not a terrible bottom six but i mean this game put it and display, I mean you have to have scoring throughout your lineup, which Detroit didn't have this game at all. I mean, yeah, you can't expect a top line or your bottom line's to always bail you out, but you have to have depth scoring. Which actually, I was glad to hear Blashill come out and say that after this game. And I mean, I think it was, who was it? Even Larkin, when he was addressing the media in the post-game interviews, he was like, you know, as a team, we didn't play good enough. Like, you can't expect just one line to carry the game, which, I mean, I said it once, but I'll say it again. That is our future captain. And it was nice mm-hmm. to hear like a top line player putting the onus on himself for a loss like that. Yep. And
2: it was not just, I mean like you said, it was the Maple Leafs it's mm-hmm. nothing to really put your head there head down for it's, it. It was one of those games like you said we all we were all expecting a loss and it it could be worse. You could have lost 9-2 and it was a 5-2 game so not not too bad, but it was a game you know even Detroit was probably going and thinking they're going to lose.
0: So, I mean, I think that loss is pretty much expected. Uh, the loss I really don't think any of us saw coming was the loss of the Canucks, where they lost 5-1. Yeah, it um, pretty rough. The top line, what was it, Larkin got a goal in the first, like, 30 seconds or something like that of the game with uh, Bertuzzi and Mantha giving mm-hmm. him assists, and then after that, that game was a complete train wreck. For just There's no other way to put it. it that game was a colossal train wreck. Bernier didn't make any good saves. The bottom lines just were not covering for him. Like, <clears throat> I really don't even know how else to describe this game.
3: Chance to watch this one, David. Um, I saw some clips of it. I didn't get to watch it, but it was just, nothing was going right. And everything was going right for the Canucks. I mean, they're three and two on the season. Um, They're losing right now. Last time I checked uh, the blues, but, they're a team that like who have they beaten? That was what I'm wondering. I want to look at their schedule real quick. So they beat us five to one, of course. Um they killed the Kings eight to two. They beat Another the bench. Flyers. They yeah. They beat the Flyers in a shootout three to two. And they beat us. Uh, but they lost to the Flames three nothing and the Oilers three to two. So they kept it close with the Oilers, who are a team who've been, as we talked about before the show started, like starting out real hot. And the Flames, I mean, are 1-1 one and one right now, but they're not doing terribly. Like, they look like a good team. So Vancouver is not the worst team, but you have to think we aren't the Red Wings of old. We're a Red Wings and rebuild. So we're going to lose the teams that we think we can beat, but it's just not for sure anymore.
0: I mean, if there was a game that you wanted to have a <laughs> loss to, to, I guess shake up the locker room, maybe get everybody to like, understand like, Hey, you can't just take games off. I mean, I think probably this is a good one. I mean, it's not, you know, Toronto. Yeah. Everyone pretty much wrote that game off. So you're going to chalk that up as a loss. If you play against a team like, you know, like the Penguins, you're probably going to chalk that up to a loss. Like, Mm -hmm. but the Canucks aren't like one of those super high end offensive teams who are going to absolutely take advantage of the wings, weak defenses. Like, this is a team that when I looked at I'm like, the Canucks aren't a superstar team. Like, it's not just stacked with guys who you're looking at them and you're saying, yep, this this line's going to get a, a goal or two this game. This line's probably going to have a break even, you know, no goals against while they're out. Like, they're not rebuilding, but they're just a middle-of-the-road team, and I didn't expect us to lose that badly.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean they definitely have some players like Pedersen and, and Besser that you would definitely have to watch out for. Quinn Hughes, and Quinn Hughes, yeah.
0: Quinn Hughes, he's—I can't remember his he? He's actually playing with the Canucks this season, right? Yeah, is he, he is. Okay, um,
1: and I, from what I've seen, he's looked pretty good so far. He's just uh, such a dynamic skater.
0: I know that was like the big praise on him was how good his skating was already with how young he was. Mm-hmm. It's just
2: in the—it's in that family, yeah.
0: Definitely. Um, but That's pretty much a wrap of the game. It's one thing I kind of want to talk on before we look at the upcoming weeks. Um, Wait,
2: who's your stars of the week?
0: Uh-huh. The stars of the week. Um, I'm actually going to go with Darren Helm. I mean, and I know it seems kind of weird to give it to a third-line guy who nothing <laughs> is really expected from, but I think that's probably why I gave it to him. I mean, he was playing in the bottom six in the game where realistically the bottom six is the only team, or the only... Uh, Group of guys who were contributing offensively. He had a goal in the Toronto game. and he had one in the uh, what was it? In the uh, Montreal game. So I thought he's actually looked decent, and he's still getting the chance to play on the penalty kill, which is really where he belongs.
3: And I think he's shined at. Um, yeah, Darren Helm's a player that in recent years gets shit on, and it upsets me because he, you know, isn't the best player, but he puts everything into his shifts as we saw in the playoffs years ago against the Blackhawks. Sorry. Um, oh, come on. But he, <laughs> he's a guy that just, just gives it all for the team and um he'll score every so often. He'll get a breakaway every so often. And you always expect um, him to miss it on the breakaway because it happens. But when he scores, it's great. And I love Homer and I, We'll be sad to see him go eventually, but he's just, like I said, a player that gives it on. Like right now he has two goals and that's great for him. And as a third liner, that's even better.
0: The thing that I like about Helm is, I mean, regardless of like, like his contracts, like people are like, his contract's terrible. His contract's terrible. Take the contract off the table where he slot at as a player, how he produces at that position and the situations that he gets put into I actually like him as a player a lot, and I think he had a great week. I mean, like you were saying, you don't expect him to show up on the score sheet when he does. It's one of those, hey, cool, he showed up, but getting two goals in a week, I think that's that's a decent enough slot for him to get when considering what's expected of him. And then the fact that he produced in really one of the games that we absolutely got smoked in. So,
3: I mean, I thought that was a great sign. Star of the week, David. So, my start of the week is our hopefully future captain, Dylan Larkin. Um, he, I mean, he scored, he's assisted. He has five assists on the season and I believe two goals now. So he is um, a really good distributor with those five assists, but he can also put it in the back of the net and he shows great leadership on and off the ice. I mean, um, after our heartbreaking loss, he, like you said, put the blame on himself and, that's something you want to see from someone that is supposed to be the anchor of your team, the captain of your team. He's not the one to pass the blame to others and say, well, our goalie just couldn't get get it going or our defense wasn't great. No, he, he takes it upon himself. And by doing that, you're going to make the rest of the team work harder. So uh, he's definitely my star of the week. I thought he actually looked like... All thing, even like even though he didn't actually show
0: up on the score sheet mm-hmm. in the uh Montreal game, I thought the Montreal game in particular, he looked very good. hmm I mean he, he I don't think he got you know he didn't even get an assist that game, but I mean he's the he's the glue realistically for that Burt Mantha well, like line. Like he is the setup man. He takes the hard face offs like Yep. <laughs> Before we transition to the week's coming schedule, uh, there's something I just want to talk about for a second. Um, how closely did you watch the games this week, David?
3: What's that? How, how closely did you watch the games this week? Um, I wasn't able to watch them fully, but I did watch them like highlights. For
0: I, I don't think it happened at all last season, but Blashill finally put Cholosky and Hronik together basically made like a rookie pair. I actually liked it a lot. I'm hoping that it happens in the future. That would be awesome. Last season, we sort of saw Phil Peronix start to come into his own as at least a top four defenseman, (laughs) potentially a top pair if he continues to get better at the level which he's been. And the fact that is willing to already trust him with a quote-unquote rookie defenseman and Dennis Chalowski, I think that's a great sign for our potential either rebuild or at least getting the group that we have now more experience in chemistry with each other. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that was just a great little thing that I picked up on this week, and it was nice to see Blaschel finally just take a chance on something like that. Seems like he tends to try to play a veteran with a rookie every chance that he gets, and seeing him break outside his comfort zone I thought was a nice breath of fresh air, even with how brief it was. Yeah,
1: uh, I actually wanted to ask you guys about Anthony <laughs> because he came off. He's coming off a break off a breakout year last year. He had 30 goals, um, but it seems like this year he's kind of off to a slow start. I'm just curious. Um, I think what you guys I think, think about his performance so far.
0: I think he's hurt. I know he w- he didn't play the home opener. I know um, he did play the game versus the Ducks. I remember that. And but, he played yeah, against he, the Canucks. I think for him last season was more a product of who he was playing with. And that's not to say Athens, is a bad player by any means, but I think he needs a better setup player than just strictly Nielsen or Philpola. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think is actually really important to know is they moved him back to the wing. So he's not playing center anymore, mm-hmm. which they were trying him out as a center at, towards the, uh, the end of the stretch last season. So that could also be another thing that's sort of a note for his production. I mean, he's having to wait for other people to help him get his production. I mean, that's really the only reason I can think of for why he's off to such a slow start this season. But yeah, he is off to
3: a slow start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was just curious. I think the, the three guys he'd be great pairing with are already paired together mm-hmm. with Larkin, Montha, and because um, those guys are guys that he would gel real well with, but since they're all together, he kind of is stuck with who's left.
0: I mean, that's kind of the thing right now. I mean, his options at center realistically are Nielsen, Filippola, and Luke Glendinian. I mean, n- neither of those guys are really play true playmakers like Larkin is. I mean, Nielsen's more of like a two-way guy. You're expecting him to win face-offs. Mm-hmm. Luke is a fourth-liner. You're going to play him as a shutdown player, and you wanted to take like draws in your own end, which that's not really something that suits Athanasius' play style. So, I think it's more just he doesn't have the setup man that he needs to actually play his style of game, which he had that last season. Yeah. The thing that uh, I actually forgot to mention at the top of the podcast, uh, who was uh, Danny DeKaiser, I believe, is a game time decision right now, so he might be out for a minute.
3: Well, I'm looking at our roster for tonight and we have six defensemen on the ice he's one of them they they actually decided to make him uh or have him play it looks like it looks like it because we have biega cheloski DeKaiser, green Heronic and nemeth as our sixth defenseman.
0: Say, I didn't see the update yet, so...
3: I'm just looking at what ESPN has as the roster currently.
0: But yeah, I don't think there's anything else really to talk on for the wing side. So, we can go ahead and move on to the, uh, the upcoming schedule, our flash forward, as I called it last week. So, we started off uh, talking about the Hawks week, so we'll go ahead and just start with them first. So, looking at the schedule for the upcoming week, they're going to play against the Blue Jackets on friday at 8 30 they're going to play against the capitals on sunday and then the golden knights on tuesday so let's go ahead and just start at the top and then work our way down through these games so the blue jackets one is obviously first uh what are your guys' just general impressions on what, how this game's gonna go
2: i think it's gonna go well for the hawks i think the hawks have uh you know found their next uh, they found their groove uh, with Edmonton being the game that they found it against, and they've looked better after every after every game. So, I think they'll come away with a win against Columbus. You know, I, I'm not really impressed with their roster. I, they're three and three on the year. They're not a great team, but you know, it's not going to be an easy win. But I th- I do think they'll come away with that win. Yeah, I, I agree
1: with that. I just think. After the Edmonton game, I think the Hawks are going to be feeling pretty good uh, about um, how things are going for them. and I think they're going to have a lot of confidence going into that Blue Jackets game.
3: David, do you think the Hawks can take the, uh, the Blue Jackets? Yeah, the Blue Jackets aren't the team they were a couple of years ago. Um, they put everything in to try and win the Cup, and they didn't. So they had to lose a lot of stuff. So... I think the the Blackhawks can come on top. I think it's going to be a close game. I'm guessing a one-goal game, maybe two with empty netter, but I think Blackhawks come out on top of that one.
0: I think that the uh, the Hawks definitely have a pretty decent chance to win this. I mean, you just mentioned it, but this isn't the team from last year. I mean, Panarin's gone, Dabrowski's gone. Dushane? Yeah, Dushane's gone, I mean... The real I don't want to say stars, but the star realistically the stars from this team are all gone and the Hawks are still the Hawks from last year. Still have all the big names. And like you said, they're start or they started to look at they've been finding their groove lately, so I think they'll be able to win this one, probably in regulation. Worst case scenario I think it goes to overtime and they'll win it in overtime. Cause I think they just match better on paper versus the blue jackets. The next game on the schedule, the Blackhawks are going to take on the Capitals. Um, I think the uh, the Hawks can take the Capitals. Do You think this is gonna get another L for them on the board?
2: Uh, yeah, it's gonna be a tough one, boys. I, you know, it's not one of those games I can for surely say confidently they're gonna win. Uh, but the uh, biasness in me, because I don't ever want to root for the Hawks to lose, I think they actually beat the Capitals just because. I don't know. I, I feel confident the Hawks. It's just one of those things that. A game like Edmonton can really turn around how they feel about the season. If they beat the Blue Jackets on Friday or tomorrow, they're going to be feeling real confident going against Washington two days later. So I think it's a game they could potentially steal, and it's not going to be uh, one of those games where they blow the wagon off them, but it's going to be a goalie matchup, and I think the Hawks pull it out.
1: Yeah, I'm going to err on the Hawks losing this one um, just because the the Capitals are off to a really good start. Um, specifically, John Carlson. I don't know if you guys have seen, but he is just off to a monster start. He's got 14 points in eight games, um, which is really crazy. And then, you know, obviously, the usual suspects are uh, having a great year like Ovi and Backstrom. So I think... The Washington Capitals are uh, the stronger team. They're more well-equipped. So I think they will win over the Hawks.
3: So I live in this area with the Caps, and they've been iffy. They've lost quite a few games by one goal, um, and they've won a few games by one goal. They cr- they killed Dallas, but that's expected because Dallas is Dallas. Um but here's the thing. And then they, they lost to Dallas at one point too. So I think you guys win. I think the Blackhawks win and I think it goes to overtime. Um, However, I think whoever has the momentum going into overtime is the winner, but I think you guys will. I think the caps will start off strong, but the Blackhawks will come back and I think it'll go to overtime and the Blackhawks will like sneak one in. I think the Capitals
0: win this one. I mean, I, I look at the caps roster usual suspects are still there they're still themselves um kuznetsov is back for the team as well which he was gone for the first three games of the season which that also i mean whether you know he would have produced or not we won't ever know but they just got essentially another you know high-end center on their roster back so i think just the forward group that the caps have combined which is I think defensively they're better than the Hawks. I think they're just going to take the Hawks away. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, like a flat 5-1 slaughter by any means like Detroit got this week, but I think the Caps probably could win at 4-2, maybe 4-3. So it's going to be close, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. The next game, the the Hawks are going to take on Vegas Golden Knights. This one, I honestly don't know. I think it can go either way. Um both teams can play fast but neither team just seems like they're going to have just like a super advantage either on offense or defense in this game. What are your guys' thoughts?
2: Uh so yeah, Vegas, I it, finally you're going to get the negative part of I me. Mean, I don't think we win this one and I think it might be it could it could get ugly against Vegas just because of all the firepower that they have on that team and especially if Mark andre Fleury starts in that it, it's going to be tough to squeak <laughs> one by Vegas just they're one of those teams it's, they're never easy to go against. Even your wins are hard. So I, I do think the Hawks fall in on this one. And, yeah, so that's my prediction.
1: I'm with Jordan in that I think this is one of those that could go either way. But I also think at the same time, Vegas is probably the better two-way uh, team. Like, they've got players like Mark Stone. And, um, you know, Cody Glass being a rookie this year, he's off to a really good start and he's another really good two-way player. So um, it could go either way, but I think if I had to make a call, I would say that Vegas wins. Vegas wins. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a, just Vegas wins.
2: I mean, and going going forward, it's going to get uglier before it gets better. I mean, we got Philly coming up. This is going to go into next week's episode, but we got Philly coming up. We got Carolina coming up, the Kings. I mean, all right, that's not that hard, but then no, the beat the Kings. Yeah, but the, the Predators, so the Hawks yeah. have a tough—they got a tough schedule to start this season.
0: They had quite a few of the uh, the higher end teams to play against, but that's gonna cover it for the Hawks' schedule. Um, anybody have anything they want to mention before we move on to the wing side?
1: Good to go. Uh, I just want to say that uh, at some point, uh, I guess at some point during next week, we might see Kirby Dot come up. So, looking forward to that.
2: Oh, yeah, I might go see him Saturday because they play. The Ice Hawks play against the, the Wolves, yeah. Yeah, they play in Chicago. So I might make a little trip out there and give my own scouting report on Kirby Doc. So uh, stay tuned next week. Sounds good.
0: Speaking of the uh, the AHL, sorry, we should probably mention this before, but the Grand Rapids Griffins beat the Rockford Ice Hogs. Um, So the AHL teams for uh, both of the Hawks and the Wings played against each other, and the Griffins ended up winning it, which I don't know. Kirby Doc didn't really—I don't know. It's kind of weird he hasn't shown up yet, considering how high-end of a prospect he was.
2: Yeah, he's been off the score sheet, but it's not that I'm too worried about. He's still getting over a nagging injury, so uh, hopefully he could start finally finding some offensive production. But I'm not—I'm really not worried about Kirby Doc. So he's playing with a bunch of guys he really hasn't played that much with before, besides the few guys that were on the prospect tournament. So. I'm not too worried about his production. I think he finds it soon.
1: Yeah, Kirby's coming out of uh, concussion protocol, so I think he's definitely got some rust that needs to shake off. And uh, as Nick said, like, like the past <clears throat> few weeks, he's been in Chicago and, and with practicing with the Blackhawks roster. So then to come down to Rockford where um, he's new to this environment, I think it's going to be a little bit tough. And he was also playing... Uh, I know his first game there he was playing on the fourth line so I don't know if he was really getting a whole lot of minutes either so um,
2: yeah I, I, I'm not worried about Kirby Dock either. They're just but, slowly uh, slowly building him back to game speed so it's not one of the things that Hawks fans should be overly worried about.
1: But I will say Rockford's not off to a good start this year.
0: I mean to be fair though Grand Rapids is a pretty stacked AHL team I mean you they were going up against the likes of Michael Rasmussen, who had a full season at the NHL. They're going up against Philip Zadina, Joe Valeno. I mean, there's some there's some decent players on Grand Rapids this year.
1: Definitely, and and I think a thing for Rockford, it's kind of a, a blessing and a curse for them right now, is their roster is very young right now. So it's a good thing in that there's a lot of promising talent that we're going to be looking to you know, be contributors in the future, but it's also tough for them. I think because they don't have a lot of veteran presence there. And I think that's, it makes it difficult for them to, to perform well because there's not a lot of experience there.
0: But yeah, I just wanted to mention that before we, uh, we close out the podcast, because I want to talk about that for a second. Uh, We can go and uh, actually talk about the wings schedule. Now, Um, as of the recording of this podcast, the Red Wings are currently playing the Calgary Flames and the score is 0-0 according to what I'm seeing. Um but aside from the game that's going on right now, they are going to play the Oilers on Friday and then they're going to play the Canucks on Tuesday and then they play the Senators on Wednesday. So, a pretty packed week for the Wings. Um the Flames game, it's still 0-0, so I mean, I guess it's technically up in the air still, but I think the Flames are going to win this one. The Wings just have... I don't think they've really been good enough to beat the Flames. The Flames look like an all-right team. And, I mean, it's like guys like Goudreau who can just absolutely take games over when they get hot. So I don't see Detroit winning this one.
3: Um, I think we keep it close. Um, I think Flames win unless... It goes to overtime. If it goes to overtime, I think we sneak a win.
2: I'm gonna say the Flames end up pulling this one from the Wings, just because they're one of those. They're they're just a really good hockey team, and yeah, you know, you know the Wings are really are right now. So it, it's what you expect. It's not dogging on the Wings. I know I kind of dogged on them last week, but it, it's just one of those things. You know, it's it's a tough schedule in the NHL. It's not easy to pull off wins, and I don't think it's gonna be in their favor tonight.
1: You know, just to be different, I'm gonna say the Wings beat the Flames tonight.
0: Yeah. Someone has to bring some optimism to, to the Wingspan base. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The,
2: the Hawks fans showing support with the Detroit Red Wings right here. There you go, Kevin. Good job.
0: <laughs> um, we'll talk about the next game, though, the one that's actually coming up on Friday. The Red Wings are going to be playing against the Oilers. Um, Oilers I know this is going <laughs> to... <laughs> you know what? You know what, David. I'm actually going to say that the Red Wings win. And before everybody on this Ooh. podcast calls me crazy, let me explain this. So, explain it.
1: You're crazy. Right. So, two seasons
0: Uh-oh. only Hawks can beat the be Oilers. When the Wings played against the Oilers, normally I absolutely cannot stand the Blashill Blender. Because I'm going to make that stick. We're calling it the Blashill Blender from now on. But he did like. His line matching was perfect. He stuck Larkin and Luke Glendennine out against Drysaddle and McDavid, and they kept that top line to three shots. If you can shut down Edmonton's top line that badly, the rest of your lineup doesn't even really have to be that good for you to win that game, which I hope that's what Blashell tries to do this game.
2: Here's the thing, though. They got James the real deal kneel now. So they got, They got to figure out how to stop the real deal, but... And I, I see your point, though, Jordan. If they could continue to shut down McDavid and Drysdale, which is a hard challenge to do, then they might be able to pull it away with it.
0: Does anybody uh, have any other opinions before we talk about it? Jordan, the, I'm,
2: stick, I'm
1: sticking on the Red Wings hype train. I'm going to say they win this one, too.
3: Choo-choo, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I don't know. I, I do think the win's possible. Like If, if line deployment is correct in Blashill is able to shut down that top line. I think they can get the win, but if that doesn't happen, the Oilers are going to run away with this one. But I'm going to remain hopeful and optimistic. The other game that they're going to have coming up, the Red Wings are going to get a rematch versus the Canucks. Hopefully the smack isn't as bad as it was last time. What are you guys' opinions on this one?
3: I think we get retribution in the Canucks. Red Wings win 4-2. to two.
2: I'm going to go with the to not be negative anymore. I'm going to go uh i'll say five three
0: you think Kevin?
1: Uh, yeah i'm saying for this one the canucks will win this one against the wings just because i'm not gonna vote against Mm -hmm. quinn hughes and and brock besser and and, uh elias Patterson. that's just a a really talented group there so i think they're gonna win this game
0: i think this will be a win for the canucks the wings are probably gonna lose it i would agree but I don't think it's going to be as bad as the last loss. I think they'll probably find a way to get the lines a little bit better. Yeah, I'd and, agree with that. I, mean, I still think it'll be a loss, but it won't be as bad of a loss. And then the last game of the schedule for the week will be the game that they play against the Ottawa Senators. Um, I would like to think that Detroit wins this one. The Senators are they are not rebuilding, but... Oh, they're know. rebuilding.
2: They're rebuilding.
0: Is it really a rebuild if you're always rebuilding?
2: Uh, you're right, Jordan. It's just a shit show. There's no. It's just a dumpster fire. Over there. So I guess you're right. <laughs> Before we even continue, we already know that I'm going to say Detroit wins. Because I've been the number one Senator's hater since this podcast started.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, Detroit wins this one in my opinion. Uh, Kevin, David, what do you guys think about this?
1: Well, look, guys, someone's got to show some love. To Ottawa, so I'll be the one to do it. I'll say <laughs> Ottawa sneaks a win past the wings.
3: We're gonna beat Ottawa so bad. <laughs> We're gonna beat them like freaking the Oompa Loombas beat that fat kid in Charlie a Factory.
2: So you're saying one nothing?
3: <laughs> yeah, one nothing. <laughs> I think I like it.
0: That's pretty much going to be the schedule for the Wings and the Hawks for these coming weeks. I think we're going to have a couple close games for the Hawks. The Wings games are... <clears throat> the losses are going to be, I think, definitive losses, but the wins will be close wins if they get wins. So everyone pretty much at least somewhat yeah. agree with that?
3: Calgary scored. They? Yep. Uh, it's already not I, looking good. But Man I enjoy the pain. It.
2: I agree with your point, Jordan. If the Wings do pull out wins, it's going to be a close one. That they lose, then, well, yeah, they're just going to lose.
0: Um, does anybody have any sort of uh, topics or anything of that nature before we start moving on to the fan mail? Well, quote unquote, fan mail for the week?
2: Yeah, boys, I just want to pat myself on the back a little bit. You know, I, I don't get cocky much, so I'm going to do it right here. The Buffalo Sabres are a goddamn wagon. They're one of those teams I've been hyping up all offseason they're off to a great start uh and then the dallas stars holy shit they are they're, they're terrible they're one of those teams that got all this hype this season for god knows what they signed joe pavelski okay good player corey perry he's way past his prime. and i just didn't wasn't so impressed with their roster besides the top line and really it's going to show they're, they're off to one of the worst starts i've seen in a lot.
0: Dallas is kind of an interesting one because on paper it's really not a bad team
2: I I mean, I think it's just, I mean, they got a bunch of young guys like Heiskinen and Rupe Hintz and Julius Honka. It's just one of those things that, yeah, they have a top line, but I don't think the rest of the depth, it's how they've always been. They've always had a good top line, but the rest of the depth is, you know, hit or miss.
1: Yeah, well, I
0: mean, oh, go ahead, Jordan. I was going to say, they've only won what, like one <laughs> game since the uh, the season started?
2: Yeah, they're 1-6-1. and one.
0: Like a reverse Colorado Avalanche or a reverse Edmonton Oilers.
2: Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I, I predicted in the offseason that Dallas was not going to be good this year, but Nick, I will give you credit because I did not think Buffalo would be this good.
3: I, I done goofed. I think I picked Dallas making the playoffs. <laughs> it's still early Same. it could be the, it's it still the, early
2: it could be the blues so it could be yeah. the blues of this year yeah
3: it's buffalo could crap the bed too you never know
2: i don't know anything is possible if, if that power play continues to shine it's gonna be uh if victor olafson uh, yeah uh, he's uh, just oh holy cow guys he's unreal yeah is sure. that uh the
1: calder winner this year maybe
2: I, I don't see why not.
0: I mean, this whole start of the season has just been really bizarre. Like Edmonton is weirdly good. Dallas is worse than I think just about anybody really predicted them to be. I mean, I don't think anybody predicted them to be lights out, but nobody predicted them to be one in five bad or one in six bad.
2: The Sharks struggled. It's has yeah, it's been a weird start. All these teams that you thought good, Uh yeah, they've been. I mean, not everyone. The Penguins are on a four-game win streak. They turned it. It's uh, it's been a while so I'm Only got to
3: get more entertaining. Yeah, Eric Carlson should have came to the Sweeter spot. He should have came to the Wings.
0: And our sweet Swede, when uh, when Cronwall left. Yeah, we we could have replaced one Swede with another. Yeah. Well, if nobody has anything else, we'll move on to our our, our I guess quote unquote fan mail for the week. So I've got an interesting mm-hmm. question for you guys because me and a coworker were kind of getting into this. Uh, so. If if a certain somebody's listening and you know who you are, um well fine question <laughs> well, I'll probably get all sorts of lip for it when I come back to work, but I want your guys' take on something. You guys know that I went to the uh the Hawks game mm-hmm. for the home opener and I mean for me personally, like I, yeah, the Red Wings and the Blackhawks have had a rivalry, you know, in their past, but for me at least I think that rivalry was more towards, like, the 70s and the mm-hmm. 80s. Even, like, the early 90s, I think, was when it was, I guess, at its peak. But it sort of trailed off from that point. They haven't really been hardcore rivals since,
3: I mean, Colorado I sort know. of took that spot for them through the 90s. I, I, think, uh, I think Colorado and us were rivals in the 90s. But when Blackhawks started to get better, when they got Kane and Taze and Seabrook, and they started to like really challenge us again. I think that rivalry was really reborn in the late 2000s, 2010s.
2: Yeah, I th- I'm gonna agree with David. Uh, it, Colorado took, maybe took over, in our and your guys' side as your biggest rival. Probably not from the Blackhawks, but that 2013 season against the Red Wings in the Western Conference semifinals finals is, over- is one of my favorites, just because of the Wings blowing a three-one series lead and then all no. the drama. Hey, you dig on the Hawks' playoffs all the time with Darren I'm, I'm going to throw shots back right here.
3: I, I, I've <laughs> never done such a thing <laughs> besides the time Darren Helm killed a penalty by himself. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway,
2: that's, uh, what about Nick Jalmerson goal getting disallowed and all this? Brett Seabrook pulls it off. But, uh, the Red Wings-Hawks are obviously not the same. But yeah, it's been one of my favorites So uh, in the 2010s.
3: The rivalry kind of got squashed when they moved us over to the Eastern Conference.
2: Sorry,
0: Jordan.
3: I know you were getting to a point. Go ahead. So, but but anyway, like my question is this: I mean, I've never
0: really had like a beef with the Hawks. I mean, I'm a Red Wings fan first and foremost, obviously, but I've actually liked the Hawks, despite the fact that they were quote unquote rivals with Detroit. I mean, for me at least, I always saw Colorado as Detroit's rivalry. Like, do you guys see it as like a taboo to to follow and root for a team that is quote unquote your rival even if you weren't around for when the rivalry was really at its peak um, I mean,
2: since it's kind of dead like i mean it's two different conferences now i'll never root for the detroit red wings i'm sorry i'll I never be root able- for the blackhawks it's okay but i still kinda, love you i'm kind of one of those it's kind of one of those things, like, I, if I go to a Red Wings game and they're playing, since I hate them so much, the Ottawa Senators, I'll root for the Wings. Like, if it's a home game, usually every sporting event I go to. If it's not one of my teams involved, I'll root for the home team. So, it's one of those things, like, it, it, I, I don't disrespect you if you like both teams. It's just, when it comes to one or another, you can't be in between.
3: Here's my thing. As a kid, uh, my grandparents lived in Chicago, and I visited them a lot. Like, they lived right on Lakeshore Avenue right next to Navy Pier, like on the beach, everything. Um, So I grew up watching the Lions. I grew up watching the Bears. And I root for the Bears when they're playing anyone but the Lions, unless it's a close conference race. If they're playing the Packers, anyone that plays the Packers, fuck the Packers. (laughs) Um, But same with the Bulls. When I was a kid, I grew up watching the Pistons and the Bulls. And I loved watching Michael play. I loved watching the Pistons versus the Bulls. It was – such fun basketball. So, I think it's it's okay if you have a really good reason for it, in my opinion. <laughs> like, for me, like, I've always liked
0: the Wings and the Hawks organizations just because I like the way that both of them are ran. I like the fact that the Hawks organization tends to be very hands off with their players in the sense that, like, I, I remember hearing the story once that, uh, who was it? I think it was Marion Hosa, like, He's got this thing where he absolutely just loves chocolate and, like, that makes him happy. And, like, obviously, like, when you're happy, you're going to play better. And, like, the like the team nutrition wasn't talking to him, like, hey, you need to, like, you know, eat only healthy foods. Like, they're very hands-off with their players. I kind of like that about their organization. And I like Detroit's loyalty. So, for me, it was like I never really had a problem with either team because of how they were ran.
2: Oh, you should There's more stories with the Hawks, dude. They're I mean, I'm sorry to just keep going on and on how well the Hawks are run, but the, the, since new ownership took over at Rocky, what they do, if Scott Darling was telling a story. The, when the Blackhawks had the private flights out to for their away games, every player gets their favorite snacks, whether it's candy, ch- or whatever they like. Before they get on the plane, their snacks will be in their seats. Like Scott Darling was going on and on about how well they treat them and just their first-class meals. Like if they want – See, you know how airplanes—they only have like two options for meals. The Blackhawks—if someone wants a pork sandwich, they got it. They want steak, they got it. They want a cheeseburger, they got—they it. got whatever they want. So yeah, they're—they're. They're, I, I can see your point.
3: Ho- hopefully, they never get Kuznetsov then.
2: Uh, no, <laughs> can't bring that on the
3: plane. Oh boy. Oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh! No this this is pa- <laughs> this it is is candy. This candy, just
0: got dark really quick. <laughs> He's well, dandy we talking- for some candy.
3: Well, yeah, we
2: were, we were talking about candy, so I guess candy's no, candy. So, uh, <laughs> hey, coach, Categor- can I get some?
3: Can I get some fun dip, coach? <laughs> some what? Some fun dip. They'll give them.
2: The, they'll give them the legal stuff with smelling salts. They, they, that'll do your
3: job. Oh, oh my gosh. Holy shit. I, I, when you did that story, I had to go there. I'm like, oh, I got to go there. <laughs> oh, shoot. But, I don't know. I guess, like, for me, the,
0: but yeah, it's, just, it's kind of been interesting because, like, a lot of my favorite players have came from both those organizations. Like, Chris Chelios came from the Hawks. Like, he played for the Hawks and for the Wings. shit! Played- yep, Damakashik. uh Marion Hosa like, a lot of my favorite players have played for both teams. It, like it's it's kind of weird. Like I, I have a problem like, hating both of those, or one of those franchises because I like them so much, and I wasn't really around for the heydays of the rivalry.
2: I see your point, 100%. Yeah,
1: I don't know. For me, like I've never had any vitriol towards the Red Wings. <laughs> um, I've never been a fan, but I've just always been pretty neutral towards them. For me, the big hatred goes out to uh St Louis and Nashville, especially Nashville for me, that's uh where the rivalry is at for the hawks right now um and yeah the the wings I don't know i've never I've never hated them and uh uh Jordan, you were mentioning that you had a lot of players from the Hawks that you love, and for me, I love Nick Lidstrom, I think he's the greatest defenseman of all time um so yeah I've never uh had anything against the wings?
0: I don't know. I, I guess it's just kind of like an interesting topic to discuss. I mean, mm-hmm. we see on uh, online all the time because I mean, the internet has become a thing where you get the extremes of everybody, and I just thought it was kind of an interesting thing to point out. Um, before we wrap out the episode, though, there's only one objection to this rule: if you're a Red Wings fan, you can never like Boston because screw Boston.
2: <laughs> I can get behind
3: that. Yeah.
2: I could even get behind it as a Chicago fan. So after the Bruins 2013, never forget.
3: <laughs> and their stupid spearing of
0: Zetterberg. The uh, the foot on uh, Cronwall was pretty dirty. Yeah. yeah. Just thought it was like a fun discussion maybe to have with you guys. Cause I mean, I've seen like, I've seen like people like teams that have been quote unquote rivals before. And it's just, I think, an interesting idea that you know, like you can like two teams who. Are supposed to, you know, hate each other, but you don't really have that vitriol that some people do.
2: Oh, 100%. Well, well going of off the uh, the
1: chirps back and forth between David and Nick, it's clearly still alive.
2: Oh, the rivalry's still alive. It's still alive. It's just not as big it as is. it was.
3: It's there. The fire is burning, you know, not with that hot passion, but just that, you know, Smokey the Bear is going to be pissed when he wakes up in the morning and sees that little kindle going still. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> It's not as bad as like the Red Wings and the Tampa
0: rivalry or the Hawks and the Blues one. I
2: I I, I would say uh the Predators rivalry is even bigger than the Blues now just Yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely the, the Predators just because they're trying to keep all Chicago fans out of uh Nashville for away games, so
3: F off Tampa we got Eiserman. Like how many
0: times in a row have they beat us in the regular season? Like it, it's in the double digits, isn't it? Like Which one? Yeah, I, tampa like they've beat us in the double digits in a row isn't it like i want to say it's like 15 or 16 isn't it it's bad let me see red wings losing streak don't tell me the stats please i know it's gonna be terrible (laughs)
3: let's see um as of march 8 2019 it was 13 consecutive games (laughs) Odd. and i think we lost that game so i'm guessing the streak's still going it's still going Something to note, though, we did break break the
0: streak against Montreal at home. We have finally beat them at home, so that streak Yay. is broken.
3: Suck it, Canadians.
0: But does anybody have anything else before we close out the podcast?
1: Uh, no, Not anything else that uh, I wanted to cover. I think we got everything.
3: I think Nick, Nick died. Nick did. He, that's uh, a he good time to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful day to die. <laughs> what, what can we say about Nick? He was passionate about hot dogs. Phil Kessel and the Blackhawks. And hating the wings, apparently. The end. <laughs> also, uh, I heard he deep down kind of liked Boston. I, <laughs> I heard that Brad Marchand was his favorite player ever. Yeah, he's not, <laughs> he's not here to defend himself. I heard he actually loves the Predators. <laughs> he loves being shut out of the Predators arena. It's his favorite thing. He, he loves. P- he really loves the Central Michigan Chippewas. Fire he does. Up chips. He says it all the time. Fire up chips.
0: I heard him once say that Pecorini is
3: his favorite goalie of all time. I heard he said that he loves Sidney Crosby's peach fuzz mustache.
1: <laughs> I heard he cried when Chicago traded Brandon Manning.
0: <laughs> uh, all um, right, we're,
3: we're going to end this episode because we could keep going. Um, I heard he has a framed poster of Asia in his room. <laughs> now, which Asia? The 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 band. Oh, okay. I was going to say, cause I mean, you could have like,
0: you know, the continent of Asia as like a poster that. That'd be all right. But all right, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to call this a podcast before we keep rambling. Um, we'd like to thank you all for tuning into the podcast tonight. This has uh, been a fun episode for sure. And the season being back finally has us in a little bit more of a concrete schedule. So hopefully you guys enjoy the format. Um, as I always say at the end of the episode, we appreciate you guys for listening. Really? We do. Um, Trying to grow this podcast a little bit at a time, slowly getting growth, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. So slowly growing over time. But as always, if you have any sort of like feedback for the show, if you want like us to talk about a certain topic, if you have questions that you want us to answer in our fan mail segment, Always, always, always feel free to email us or follow us on Twitter or send us a message. If you want to email us, the email is really simple. It's stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. And then if you want to follow us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at stickbladepod. And that's all one word, no
3: hyphens or dashes or anything like that. Just at stickbladepod. And if you want an autographed picture of me, no, you're not my supervisor. But with
0: that being said, uh, that's how you get in contact with us. And then, if you found us, we're gonna assume you probably found us either on SoundCloud or iTunes. Feel free to give us the currency of whatever the platform is. So, if that's a like, if that's a rating, whatever the currency is of the platform, feel free to give us a like, a follow, a share, whatever it is. It really helps the podcast out, particularly on iTunes. For some reason. The ratings are weighted super heavily on iTunes, so if you like us, find us on iTunes, give us a five stars if you like us. And as always, again, we want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode. For your host, I'm Jordan Linscott, and I was joined tonight I'm by your host, David Barnhouse, and Kevin Musto, and Nick LePage bailed on us. so He's too busy watching hate, Boston Highlights. <laughs> he is. So send your hate mail to Nick if you want to... Uh, find him and send him some hate mail he cut out on us early but with that being said this has been another edition of the stick blade podcast go red Bings and go blackhawks